This old-time radio program was originally aired live, long before the advent of high fidelity. As a result, you may detect an occasional surface noise or volume drop due to transmission problems so common to old radio. Well, well, here we are. Shall we play a game? No one only $1.99 buys you at Ponderosa right now. I want my MTV! Kmart, the saving place. Oh, gnarly! I quit soccer to play Atari. So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s. So, stick with us here, okay? This is going to be a little unusual. On the Facebook page, we're, we're very militant about 80s only stuff. But you know what? I, I, I felt like we should do this really cool podcast of not 80s. In fact, this week and next week, both. So, I had this idea a while back. Uh... Let's do a podcast on 70 songs that sound like they would have been released in the 80s. They've got that 80s sound. Maybe they helped carve that sound. And I've got Art with me here. Hello. And I have my new friend Sean here. Hello. So Sean has been a contributor to the Facebook page uh, for a, a little while now. And uh, this this is two, two good guys uh, that we can have a, some great conversation today. So, you know how it is. Um, you are, you know, if you're like me, in 1979, uh, I was in the 8th grade, and when it became 1980, was the second half of 8th grade for me. So, listen to music back then. There was so much stuff out there that, again, I'm just starting to listen to records, buying more records with my paper route money and stuff. So, music was everywhere, and hung out with art a lot back then. So we really, you know, we would listen to each other's records a lot. And, and a lot of times, you know, him and Dave were like my outlet <laughs> for, for listening to new music. And, you know, it was it was a, a ton of fun back then. You couldn't access music the way you can today. So uh, It's a different time. Yeah. You listen to albums, mm-hmm. get into end. <clears throat> and it's just not, you know, the singles anymore like it is now. Yeah. <clears throat> you get on there, you listen to album completely in, and it's almost therapeutic. You know, sit there with your friends and chill and listen to albums. Right, you really, you really got to know the bands <clears throat> a lot better through the artwork of the albums, through yes. the, the touch, the smell, the, the whole experience of actually having that physical media. Uh-huh. And I think that, uh, I always think that uh, some of the longevity of why people like bands is because uh, they bought the album for maybe what the single was, mm-hmm. but then they found that there were a bunch of songs that were never released that become their favorite songs and those are the ones they wanted to hear when they saw the band at a live performance or show you got it so um so what were you guys doing like say 78 79 ish well i i was uh 79 80 was my sixth grade uh when i started sixth grade so i look at uh pretty much everything i think of when i think of a musical memory if i think of um Something from elementary school, I immediately associate it with the 70s. And anything from middle school into high school, I think of the 80s. Nice. Well, at that time, I was a paper carrier, delivered the Citizen Journal. Uh, going from elementary school to junior high, big transition. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I made a change of life, uh, going from a uh, little short, pudgy kid, and, and I got skinny and tall. Yeah, and I think let me sort of work it out. Work it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of that paper out, getting up and delivering, you know, oh, yeah. several papers every morning. Uh, but other than that, I mean, hanging out with you and Dave. Yeah. Um, that's all we did. Play basketball, street ball. That was about it. Listen to a lot of music. Listen to a lot of music. I remember going to hit, we talked about this a few, a couple <laughs> of different times on here, just kind of hanging out at, at his house. We'd go down to the basement. His dad had a nice stereo system. So we would just take turns playing records, whether it's, you know, let's take turns playing these 45s or let's play album sides or something. Yeah. And, and it was all fun. What was really cool is that he gave us complete access to a system. And thinking back now, like, I don't want to know that. Oh, heck yeah. no. I'm not going to let these 13, 14-year-old kids do that. But at the same time, it's like that is where I learned to really take care of my records. Oh, yeah. We had the little, little uh, packet or the uh, like alcohol on the rubs. And yeah. Clean, oh, yeah. After we play it, clean them off, yeah. put them away. Because, I mean, being a young kid, I had like my little my little kid record player that you know sounded like crap and the needle would eat up the grooves in the record because I would never replace it. I didn't know I, I didn't know you did that. Yeah. And um, so when I'm starting to, you know, really get into music more is about the time we're hanging out over there. And just, you know, I think David really helped us out a lot because just see the way that he would set the record down, not touching the top of it and just being very gentle with it and wiping it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's what you're supposed to do. So it didn't sound like <laughs> when you put the needle on it. Exactly. So, all right. For sure. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So what we did, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a break real quick and uh, listen to lots of cool information about our sponsors. And then we'll go back to how we got our list together. And we'll start off with our what we feel is our top ten. Welcome back. Um so if you haven't checked out our Facebook page, we're well over 2,000 members now. Be sure to check it out. Make sure to go to livingintheeighties.us and uh, check that out as well. And so what we did, uh, Sean, Art, and I, uh, we, we began this email chain. And we're going back and forth like, hey, let's list these songs that you think sounded like they came from the 80s. And we kind of voted on them. There's a few songs that all three of us agreed, yes, this song should be on there. A couple of them. A couple of us thought they would. And some of them, you know, they're just one-offs. Like, we just really love these songs. So that's the formula we're going to use. And we are going to start off with number 10. Number 10 is a song that I have always loved. Uh, back when I first heard it, right down the line by Jerry Rafferty. Uh, the song came out in 1978. So you may know him from Baker Street. Baker Street that's yeah. his, his, uh, it, it, that's probably a bigger hit than this one. And then um, uh, he was with a band called Steeler's Wheel, and he did Stuck in the Middle with You. And his voice to me just sounded kind of... I don't know, futuristic, 
kind of the the same kind of sound that Steve Miller band had in Abracadabra. It kind of that kind of sounds the same, and the production is so clean in this song. It doesn't sound like a '70s song to me. Yes, yeah, I I agree. Um, definitely uh, that song, the the structure of the song too. Um, they're they're you know when you say Baker Street, I I definitely think '70s, but this one I was. I was surprised that it wasn't an 80s song because I thought it, it had so much more of the 80s feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been a Jerry Rafferty fan. I, I've liked him, like you say, with Steelers Wills and uh, Stuck in the Middle with You with the you know the Reservoir Dog scene. was always kind of... Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right, uh, man. Good move. I uh, forgot about that. So, uh, yeah, I, I like it. And then the uh, Baker Street, the, the sax. Oh, yeah. That, just, that's awesome. That sax... Solo what a, is what a legendary. Hook. Yeah, yeah. I, I put that um, <clears throat> along with um, "Careless Whisper" by Wham. No, oh, really. Those are, those are two of my favorite sax solos. I mean, there's several, but those two come to mind when I think songs with great sax solos. Those two. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was Reservoir Dogs. I was listening to some commentary, which I like doing after the movie. Sometimes going back and just listening to directors' cuts mm-hmm. and talk, and and I think it was that movie. And he's talking. He's I mean, he's Scottish. Yeah, and he has a very deep, thick. Scotty Saxon. Which, which you would is, never know from hearing yeah, him sing. Yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> so it was pretty neat listening to him talking about you know, that song and fitting into that movie. Nice. So he passed away in 2011, but what a, what a great legacy of music he left behind. Um, again, back in those, those days, I, I'm, I'm a kid when the song's out. I mean, 1978, that would have put me at 12 years old. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, some songs stick with you and Man, that one stuck with me. So that brings us to number nine. Number nine, Sean, this one is one that you nominated, so I'll let you talk about Ladies' Night. Ladies' Night by Cool and the Gang. Yeah, it was a song that uh, really, you know, it's it's kind of that post-disco uh, time, but the, a lot of the music from, from that area and those bands kind of started to turn into what we called in my school, we called it soul. Soul music is what we called it. Oh, and yeah. uh, there was a radio station at the time, WVKO, it was an AM, <laughs> yes. an AM radio here in Columbus, um, no, that's uh, sixteen. Sixteen ten was yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I don't know if you remember, but the single was stronger in the day than it was at night. So at night, uh, I don't know what the deal was with the licensing, but the single would get a lot weaker at night. Anyways, they were a band that uh, you know really kind of seventies band, but then on into the eighties. And I was surprised when we looked at this list. Uh, this is another one that, and as all these are, that I thought would have definitely been an 80s song. Because I remember, it seems like in 80s applications, and it sounds like it, but it actually, uh, you know, came out in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So uh, just uh, just a, a great band. Uh, all their songs make you feel good. Yeah. And uh, this one... Except for Joanna. Joanna makes me angry, just because <laughs> it sounds like a stupid song to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... But uh, anyway, so that those are some of my memories about Ladies Night. Yep. Fun fact... That song came out in 1979, and to me, I will forever associate that song with the wedding scene. So when John Lovitz comes out in his sleazy lounge singer tuxedo on singing Ladies Night, cracks, cracks me up. Let's take a look, listen to that real quick. 
Just movie magic right there. Oh, I love it. Um, but uh, so about the radio station. So here, here's something I learned not too long ago, actually. So certain radio stations on the, the AM dial, they were given um, different signal strength depending on the city. And there was always one to two stations, depending on the size of the city, that would get a stronger signal that they could broadcast at night in case of emergencies. Now, this is AM radio, kids. If Those of you that, that, that maybe remember, I know when I was a kid, we only had an AM radio in the car, so that's all we listened to. And at night, some of the signals sound like crap. So, uh, being a Reds fan, I could listen to WLW out of Cincinnati and listen to, to Reds games. Signal is crystal clear, but I couldn't go over to WVKO and hear anything. It's like, how's this station 100 miles away clear and this one isn't? They had a 50,000-watt signal they can boost versus, you know, uh, 25,000. They had to go down to, you know, 20 or 15,000 at night. So weird. And uh, how I found this out, there was a... Ken Burns did a special on history of country music, and he was talking about WSM radio out of Nashville. And that signal could be heard up to Canada. Wow. From Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> and there were several stations like that. There was one out of Kansas City that could be heard in Florida. So it's like, wow. So there you go. More information you than you wanted to know about WVKO. <laughs> Art, what, any memories about this song? Not this song in particular. I mean, I think Kuna Gang's a very underrated band. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think they get enough credit. Uh, I mean, they went through the 70s all the way through the 80s. Yeah. Um, very recognizable song. I mean, getting mm -hmm. right from the get-go, that bass... You know what song it is. Oh, right? yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, the other songs, I mean, one of my, Jungle Boogie, um, mm -hmm. one of my favorite songs. So I oh, know. yeah. And everybody knows Celebration. <clears throat> yeah. Sure. yeah that's Played at every wedding, you know. Yeah, yeah, every event. Every, every wedding, every graduation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I you know, I'm, I can't say I'm a big Corner Gang fan, but I mean, I uh -huh. like them. Don't have anything wrong with them. Yeah. I, one of the songs that I nominated here under Cool in the Gang was Hollywood Swingin'. Mm -hmm. uh, which has definitely got a nice, nice groove. So it's an old song. Oh, it is. It's like uh, I believe like it was seventy-three. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I've got it on the list. It is from. It's from Lost right now. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's like seventy-three, seventy-four-ish. I don't remember, but it's um, man, so that that to me that song just sounds. It sounds eighties to me. Um, let, let, let's here. You guys be the judge. So what do you think? Kind of yeah. sound a little yeah. 80s? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good song. Hollywood Swinging is from 1974. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, it does not... It sounds a lot newer than hmm. that. And that's it for number nine. Number eight. 
why don't you why don't you do this one? That's going to be uh, "Do Ya" by uh, Jeff Lynne and ELO. Yes, uh, another band I think it's very underrated. Uh, oh yeah, I, I believe they formatted their sound after the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, big oh, strong wow. influence. Yes, um, I think somebody said before it's what the Beatles would sound like if they would have continued. I believe that. Yeah. I truly do. Uh, always been a big ELO fan, and mm-hmm. I wish I would have seen them back in that time. I mean, I've been awesome to see back yeah. in the seventies. Well, they, I think Jeff Lynne is touring with them. Yeah, he was I going to last year, but COVID kind of t- knocked all the touring out. Is he still able to hit all those high notes? I just, I, ne- <laughs> I never could get over all those songs that they had. It's a, it's a very high note singing. So I mean, it gets harder and harder as you get older. But. Oh yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if he can or not, or if he maybe has a little bit of production aid. I don't know. Um, I, there is a a cover of this song that um, that I had put on mix CD for my wife a few years ago. That they completely reworked the song, and it's like it turned it from this like you know I really love this woman to this is a serious love song. Yeah, I listened to it after you said it. So what did you think? Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> oh, okay. Not a fan. <clears throat> gotcha. I hate to each their own. I, I love it. It it was on the show um, Californication, I think it was with oh, David Duchovny, and I didn't hear it from there. I was just you know looking for stuff to make this this mix CD with, and and ended up really liking it. So here's a little sample of Neil Nathan. You guys tell me what you think. Would I? Never had nothing like you Do you, do you want my love? Do you, do you want my face? Do you, do you want my mind? Do you, do you want my love? Okay, Sean. You've heard it. Am I on an island by myself? No, I, I, I prefer the original. This kind of sounds like the coffee house version to me. Yep. Um, I'm, I know I'm not crazy about the, uh, the mix either. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, I guess, a nice version for some people, but yeah. it doesn't have the energy of the original. Oh, no, it's certainly not going to touch the original. No. I would never, ever insinuate that at all. <laughs> it, it's, it's not there. But, the, like, we, I, I talked about earlier, Hearing songs reimagined to me is just really, really cool. I don't always like how they're reimagined, but I like hearing what how a different person can can interpret or change and twist up a song. And to this one, yeah, I like it. Sure. So here it is. Art's still like that. Yeah, no, complete like crap. It. I hate it. <laughs> this is junk. Don't like it. All right. Um, it, ELO, I think, could have had a number of songs here. Uh, yes, they could have. A lot of their, I mean, a lot of their stuff was it was way ahead of their time. Like you said, underrated. I think so. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I don't think it took a long time to get them there. It's like, what is there not to like about this? I, I have a few of their songs on my list, and I narrowed it down to this one. Um, but yeah, they, they're. I think they're ahead of their time. I mean, they're definitely. They don't have that '70s sound. Wasn't uh, "Don't Break Me Down" was '79 too, wasn't it? Uh, or, yes, but it didn't chart till I can't remember, but. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely right right there on the border of 70s, 80s. Yeah, th- this one was, do you, the ELO version was done in 1976. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Like, what? 
Yeah. But like strange magic. I mean, if you didn't, if if you had just heard the song for the first, like we've heard it over the years, so we know about when it was out. But if you had never heard the song before, you wouldn't guess that is a, you know, forty-five-year-old song. It's amazing. So, all right. So that that was number eight, and that brings us to number seven. Okay, this is one that I nominated, Love and Touch and Squeezing by Journey. And I think there are 86 na-na's at the end of the song. I, 86? I don't know. There's a lot of them. My friend John McNeil, he counted them one time. I've never <laughs> taken the time to count them. I could see Kevin doing that. I could see. Ke- Kevin probably already knows. And this song, it's just it's kind of got that, that nice, cool, bluesy sound that you can see Journey kind of evolving from more of a they weren't a psychedelic band but they were more sort of artsy becoming more of a rock band kind of pushing their sound to the 80s greg raleigh was was the former lead singer and they brought steve perry in so they like co-sung like they would different sing different parts of different songs and stuff and we're really starting to see steve perry become the lead singer and which brought that sound into the 80s, I think. Yeah, when we, we compiled our final list, I, I, I made a song, uh, a playlist. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, every chance today, I kind of listened to it. And just listening to that song, I, I wasn't a big fan of Jury back in the day. I mean, I, I, I like him right now. And this song, I, I, I admit, I didn't like it back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But listening to it now, the, the passion in his voice. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's incredible. I mean, his voice, just the way it projects itself is... Is remarkable. I mean, just outstanding voice. The vocals on that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, great, great, uh, great tune. Um, the bluesiness. It's it's in six eight, which is a, a different time signature than um, a, a lot of other songs are in what they call four four. So uh, mm-hmm. at one point, I was uh, trying to take drum lessons, and this is one of the songs because I'm a huge fan of Steve Smith. He is a yes. phenomenal drummer. Most um, drummers can't make solo albums. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, and 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 what what even makes me appreciate him more as a drummer? If you ever hear him play fusion, mm-hmm. uh, he can play. He he is he is so he can play such complicated beats, but he was able to understand. I think for the the betterment of the song, in a rock setting, to play at a uh, um, at a lesser level, mm-hmm. to make the song succeed, and uh, so the drum track is what really pulls me into to this song. Mm-hmm. I sit down to try to chart it out uh, when I was first taking some drum lessons, and uh, I was trying to do it in a four four, and it, and it was too many beats. To mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing wrong, and and that's when I was when I first learned about time signatures. Nice. So just that that part's great. Um, the other thing that I think is funny is that uh, it, when when I was in middle school and this song was getting popular and they're playing it at the, the dances and things and people the skating rinks. Yeah, skating, skating rinks song yeah, to me, right? <laughs> uh, it, but the uh, what was funny was sometimes in the school newspaper uh, somebody would dedicate the song to somebody else because of the title. 
<laughs> but the but the song is 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 not you know the, you read the title and you think that it's uh, a song about a, a positive yeah. relationship and it's completely not and so kids I don't think were listening actually to the lyrics except for what the title was it's your turn girl to cry yes <laughs> he's like in your face I'm right. out peace right <laughs> yeah I think I think it's the it's kind of like the uh, the ultimate turnaround at the end of the song is that. Uh, he, you know, he he's gone through this tough time, and then now it now it's her turn. Yes, I again when you're talking about the the drums there, I like the way the drums and the bass play off of each other. Yes, it just I mean, and then Neil Sean on the guitar just kind of comes in. It's like oh, it's yeah. just it, this is I mean to me, it's as close to a perfect song as yeah. you could get. I just I I have always loved this song, and uh, it was. Uh, it was a popular song in the summer of 1979. I think it was one of their highest charting singles, wasn't it? This one here? It, that song actually went to number 16. But I, I think because it has had such a life after that. I mean, there's a lot of songs that ranked higher. I would say the week that was number 16 and Pete, I bet you number 15 through 1, people probably couldn't tell you half of them. More memorable. Right? Exactly. More memorable song, yeah, so this song has, has endured. Yeah. yeah. So... Great song. Uh, that brings us up to number six. This song, Surrender by Cheap Trick, I have always loved this song. I bought the album Live at Budokan uh, through the Columbia Record and Tape Club, and the live version was on there. And to me, uh, Cheap Trick is the quintessential American band. I'm like, they, like, there's different bands that you hear that have different sounds. If you were to say, like, this is an American band, I think Cheap Trick would fit that bill as good as anybody. Yeah, you're right. And and here in this song, it it sounds like an '80s song. It doesn't sound like a old crusty '70s song. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's 1978. So again, just like Journey and uh, a couple of these other bands we're going to mention, they're ushering that '80s sound in. That it's distinctly '80s. And, and here, even though it was the '70s, it has that sound. Yeah, they are very distinct. Everybody knows Robin Zander, so you hear his voice, you know who it's cheap trick. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I always, I, I think this song, um, there's something about the structure of it that I, uh, in the in the chorus, that I, I've always found was kind of different than a lot of the, the other stuff that they put out. And there's something kind of, I don't know what the word is, is something kind of, I don't know what a, a mischievous feel to the, I don't know what it is about this song. It just feels, it feels different than a lot of the other stuff they did. Yeah, um, kind of sassy. Yeah, and I was thinking, uh, you know, last uh, one of your podcasts recently, you talked about Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and I just think of that scene where <laughs> he's trying to like, uh, you know, talk him into buying concert tickets, and <laughs> yes. he does kind of the air guitar singing that song, you know. So that is funny you brought that up because when I called him the quintessential American band in my mind. 
you know, post recording, I was going to drop that clip in there. So I'll just do it now. Dean, I'm a, can, you, can you honestly tell me that you forgot? Forgot the magnetism of Robin Zander or the charisma of Rick Nielsen? That's kid stuff. Kid stuff? Well, how about the tunes? I want you to want me. The dream police. Da -da 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 -da. Your mama's all right. Your daddy's all right. But just seem a little bit weird. Surrender. Can I, can I talk to you for a sec? Well, now, St Stacy, I'm doing business. Love that movie. <laughs> That's, you know. Yeah, I knew you said it was one of your favorite 80s movies. Yes, you thought it, it captured the 80s. Yeah. Really well, and I, I, I just, I always remember that scene of of him playing air guitar, and it just yeah. always kind of makes me chuckle. Trying to talk that girl into buying those tickets. <laughs> so, any other thoughts on on this song or the band? I know you're a big no, cheap trick. I am fan. a big cheap trick yeah. fan. Uh, this is one of my first out, one of my first albums. I would say is the first. Uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band was my first album. But uh, <laughs> ain't no shame in Casey and the Sunshine Band. But uh, I, I remember this is I've, I've spoken about it before. A walk record and tape outlet, and this is one of the ones I picked up and walked home with it. Um, I always, I mean, it's one of one of my favorites. Um, remember the Gong Show at church? We're going to do. I want you to want me. <laughs> I remember. So, that. and that was that's off that album as well. So, that's yeah. right. It was, we had our own little talent show. We played yes, air guitar. Uh, you yeah. were Robin Zander, and, and we got gonged. Yeah, we <clears> right away. But, but we were awesome. One church appropriate. No, it wasn't. But, you know, that's probably why we got gonged. Yes. <laughs> Could have been the only thing, because we were super talented. We were. Yeah. We were. Yeah. Had the long, flowing blonde hair back then. You did. <laughs> I remember it. I, I can testify that, yes, Art did have the longer blonde hair back then. So um, so that was was uh, number, number six. Yes, that was number six. Seven, six. What is it we're on? Seven. <laughs> that was number seven. I'm losing it, guys. All right. Uh, that that brings us to number five. The pilot in the back seat. The generous image. The in the back This week, Hey, oh, let's go. Hey, oh, let's go. Hey, oh, let's go. Blitzkrieg Bop by the Ramones. Now, I've introduced the last couple songs, so I'll allow either one of you guys to talk about this song. Well, I, I don't know a whole lot about the Ramones. Mm -hmm. um, I know the song is used quite a bit in movies. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I believe it was in Vacation, mm -hmm. National Lampoon's Vacation. Um, and I think it was a song written as what a salute to their fans. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's about my knowledge of this song. This uh, this song, uh, so the Ramones are my favorite band, actually, for a lot are of years. Are they really? They were for are a lot really? of years. Okay, nice. uh, my cousin, I have a really good family friend that uh, saw Rock and Roll High School uh, that summer that it came out. So it was released in 79, and uh, Rock and Roll High School... Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was pointing to the DVD on my shelf behind <laughs> I see. me. Yeah, so uh, I, family friend saw that film. Uh, my brother and I... The older brother, we spent the uh, week one summer with that family friend, and uh, he had the soundtrack from that. And we listened to that record every day that summer, and we got to know all the songs on there. Uh, Blitzkrieg Bop, uh, really kind of the start of, so the the chant, Hey Ho, Let's Go, yeah. which became their, it's kind of like, uh, I think it's been compared to the Bay City Rollers 
the Saturday night uh, chant. So, yeah. and uh, they that that thing uh, that phrase followed them their their entire entire career. The mm-hmm. the fans uh, chant that in the crowd before they come out. People make signs with the phrase "Hey ho, let's go," and that's from mm-hmm. Blitzkrieg Bob. So they really and, uh, and hold on. Not only that, but you cannot go to a sporting event and not hear that little chant. You, it sounds like this. Hey, oh, let's go. Hey, oh, let's go. And there it is. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I just uh, definitely that uh, the influence of punk. You know, they were they were right there at the beginning of what we consider modern punk rock. Um, had multiple albums by the time they, they you know they never really super got popular. They were right. always an underground band. They never made a lot of money uh, in their career, mm-hmm. but. Um, Definitely the the mark that they made on music, and I think if you any of the bands from Foo Fighters, Green Day, they all cite the Ramones, and and a lot of it comes from that that early stuff. Yeah, well, one one movie that I like. Well, first of all, Rock and Roll High School. Tell me you didn't want to date Kate Rambo? <laughs> yeah, she. Yeah, PJ Souls played Kate Rambo. Sure, you may you may remember her from Stripes. She was right. one of the cute MPs. Not, she was. Not Sean Young, but the other one. And what's funny is, you know, Ramones weren't actually... That movie was created. They needed a band. Mm-hmm. And they, they actually looked at other bands. And I think at one point even sent an offer to Van Halen. So the Ramones were kind of chosen as the band for that film. And it's hilarious to see Kate Rambo just kind of marking out on on, on Joey Ramone, who yes. is not... Who, who I don't He's think not a real attractive right, guy. Right, right. There's, there's not a lot of uh, pinup posters of Joey Ramone. No, but uh, it, it is uh, just an iconic '80s film, and and really that that kind of launched their career uh, to to more of a popular uh, set of people. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was reading up on something. I, I ran across it someplace, but Cheap Trick was ready to do the movie, but they were afraid it would take away like their rock and roll credibility. So they didn't do it. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> which, okay, you know, the Beatles, they had a pretty good career at making movies and exploiting their rock and rollism. But anyhow, if if it wasn't for that movie, I don't think I would have heard about the Ramones for years later. Right, yeah. So, um, and you know, I'd seen them multiple times. Uh, it's hilarious because pretty much all their songs are about two minutes long. Yeah. And so you go to see them play, and then they have this militant... Uh, as soon as the song ends, one, two, three, four, they're into the next song like a buzzsaw. Yeah. So we used to joke that, uh, you know, you, you go to a concert and you're there about an hour and you hear about 90 remote songs in, in an hour. But <laughs> that was their thing. It was just quick. It was it was great. And it was a lot of fun. To me, like you're talking about Green Day and some of these other bands that really owe their careers to the Ramones, this song doesn't sound like a 70s song at all. This is 1976. And it just blows me away just hearing the song going, that is, that's 45 years ago. This does not sound like a 45-year-old song. So, wonderful, wonderful song. So, that brings us to number four. Number four. Here she comes again when she's dancing beneath the starry sky.
there is one band that defined the 80s sound during the 80s, but definitely before, like, it's the Cars. And we could have plugged in just about any Cars song right here. We decided on Best Friend's Girl, My Best Friend's Girl. And uh, if you listen to those first two Cars albums, they sound it sounds like 80s new wave music because they helped create it. And um, you guys, we spoke about Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You hear um, um, Moving in Stereo, which came out in 1978. Five years later, 1982, uh, you're hearing, or four years later, you're hearing this 70s song, and everybody thinks it's an 80s song, but My Best Friend's Girl was, you know, the bigger hit, and uh, this song, I mean, to, the, the guitars, the vocals, the harmonies, the just the, that overall sound, I think, is amazing, and, and the cars are, to this day, still one of my all-time favorite bands. It's one of the few that Rick Ocasek would sing, uh, mm-hmm. not Benjamin Orr, that actually was a fairly decent song. Yeah, it um, was a hit. Yeah, yeah, it was a hit, yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time that this song came out, <clears throat> I'm sorry, and the album, um, rode to school with, a, me and Dave rode to school with a guy named Keith, and we cranked these out, well, we didn't crank, he cranked albums all the way to school. So, uh... It was so the music was so loud in the stereo we could sit there and scream at each other in the back seat and not hear each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I I always think of the Cars, you know, as an '80s band, even though I knew that they started in the '70s. And there's several, especially like this song. There's several elements, like you said, the guitar play, the guitar solo in this song is fantastic. But the uh, the use of the keyboards, mm-hmm. and then um, they were they were using a lot. There's a device called an Ebo. It's, it's basically an electronic device that uh, you basically hold over uh, guitar strings and basically it vibrates the string. And so what it does is it gives you uh, it gives you almost like a keyboard type sound, but you're playing it on the guitar. Mm-hmm. And they use that in a whole lot of uh, a lot of songs. Uh, it's a, it's a, a device not used by a lot of bands. It's a very unique sounding thing, but it kind of gives the guitar because you don't actually hear the attack of the string. You just hear the the pure note of the string as it's as you're as you're fretting, um, and and it gives kind of a keyboard sound, and I think that made makes people think they're more of I'm an '80s song, uh, '80s like this song would be an '80s song, but um, definitely you know started in the '70s, but they they really kind of ushered in a lot of the technology I think that was going to be used later in the 80s. That device, the Ebo, later used by Big Country, mm-hmm. later used by the band The Church. It was kind of a new wave band. Uh, so, uh, But it was some of that technology, I think, that, that uh, kind of ushered in a lot of other bands into the 80s. And, and just really, the car is just such a cool sound. I, 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 can't, I can't describe just how cool, of, how cool of a band that they are in the sound. And I'm with Art, though. The songs sung by Benjamin Orr 
are, at the end of the day, those are the ones that are my favorite. But mm-hmm. this is a great uh, Rick Ocasek song. Oh yeah, I, I like them both. Uh, to me, they're they're kind of interchangeable. Um, towards like the, the Heartbeat City album, which is their that was probably their last big. They did Door to Door after it, and then they did uh, Move Like This, which was 2009, I believe. Um, the the Heartbeat City album had more uh, Rico Cassick on vocals. I think Drive is like the only hit song that Benjamin Orr did then. But um, those day, those early days, those hit songs were all Benjamin Orr. Yes. And gosh, I I love them. I just I first saw the Cars on the TV show Fridays. Like I'd heard of them, but they weren't playing a lot of them on Top Forty Radio, which is what I was listening to when I was you know fourteen. And they had played Touch and Go on on Fridays. And I just fell in love with it. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I, I remember this conversation as clear as yesterday. I'm like, I was talking to Art and Dave. I'm like, you heard this song? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, the conversation was more like, yeah, you should hear the whole first album and the Candy O album because you, <laughs> if you like that, you're going to like this too. Right. And so that's, I was turned on to some of that old music then and it was... Well, they had, amazing. They had the '80s look before the '80s came around. They did. I mean, <laughs> they made the '80s. Yeah. <laughs> they did. I mean, you think of the '80s music and Cars for one oh, of the yeah. bands that comes to your mind. Yeah, I love actually, the Cars. Rick's uh, son yeah. actually went to Ohio State. Yeah, and uh, sometimes periodically in the mid '80s, you'd see him. I think his name was Chris. He'd see mm-hmm. him hanging out at the at Mean Mr. Mustards and some of the uh, new wave clubs up there yeah. on campus. So, so he's he's got a good sound too. I've never really listened to any of his music. But. Yeah, I one of my Facebook friends or somebody, I'm like, hey, and it was on one of the pages that I followed, like, hey, check this out. <laughs> he sounds a lot like his dad. So, okay. And I think I think Rick even produced one of his albums, so yeah. you can hear that. He definitely had the look of his dad when you yeah, see him. You could tell right away. <laughs> you, you, you couldn't mistake him now, in a lineup. Now, did you guys have the Benjamin Orr uh, solo album that came out in the 80s? with The, the Lace? With the, Yes. Yeah, with the hit song "Stay the Night." Yes, that's, yeah, great that's record, very good one. Yeah, that 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 whole record is also very well. Like him and Rick Ocasek released their albums right about the same time, their solo albums. And one of the Rick Ocasek albums um, had every member of the Cars on it, except for Greg Robinson, the drummer. They used a drum machine. I think he wasn't available or something, but it was an unofficial Cars song. Benjamin Orr's there, and every you know, just. Great band. I hate seeing those two pass away. Um, you know, you hate seeing your heroes go like that. But yeah, Benjamin Orr's been gone for quite a while. It's what nineties, yeah. yeah, mid mid late nineties. Yeah, it's it's very sad. <clears throat> but you know, thank goodness they left left such a great legacy of music behind. Um, their last performance, I think, was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when they got inducted. Of course, Benjamin Orr wasn't there. He'd already passed by this point. But it was probably uh, a year or less before Rico Kasich had died. Definitely timeless. Yes. So, thank you, Cars, for bringing us the '80s, or we would still be listening to Crosby, Stills and Nash. I think I wouldn't, well, but I know maybe I you guys that. would. <laughs> All right. So that that brings us to the top three. Number three.
I'll let one of you guys handle this one. Heart of Glass. She she's another one you think you listen to her music. Uh you don't think seventies. Uh you no. think of the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I think she got her big kick start with uh, American Gigolo. Mm-hmm. But uh I mean this I had a couple of her songs on my list. Um one was Atomic. I don't know if you ever had a chance yeah, to listen to it. Yeah. It's, it's probably one of my favorite songs by her. Mm-hmm. Um I remember watching her on the Midnight Special. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did a couple performances on there. Um I think that uh you know, she didn't go far into the eighties, but I definitely believe, you know, her her influence on the eighties from the seventies was very strong. Mm-hmm. I definitely would have guessed the early 80s uh, on this song. I was uh, surprised that it was a 70s song. But, uh, yeah, great great pop song, great dance song. Um, has a little bit of those elements of the um, of the disco era, really. Mm-hmm. If you Some of the oh, music yeah, kind of definitely has for a, sure is a disco beat. Disco beat. Um, well, but, it was uh, actually written in 74. Wow. Was um, it really? Yeah, I can't Another band member that wrote it together and has actually... Titled the disco song before they changed it. No uh, kidding! Yeah. Wow, that's something I didn't know. Yeah, yeah but that makes sense. The more you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I remember this song it, again in the disco mm-hmm. era. I think I might have bought this forty five about the same time I bought La Freak by Chic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that it's like that same era for me. But I, like I'll turn this song on today and just listen to it and think you know outside of the disco beat, I think her voice. She didn't have a disco-sounding voice necessarily, but I mean, think about Blondie, like rock, rap, new wave, disco—that whole fusion of things together. Again, when you're going from probably our top eight bands here, I think they all helped usher in the '80s. I mean, these are people in the '70s who were you know making money, making records, touring, doing whatever, but they were creating a new sound. Yeah, they it didn't did. sound like. Didn't sound like the other stuff going on at the time, which is why we're doing the whole podcast. And uh, yeah, this song, amazing song. So that brings us to number two. Sean, take it away. You, you nominated this one, and we all three agreed. Yeah, the, on this one, uh, Devo, uh, Satisfaction is the one we chose. Uh, so uh, Devo definitely, um, you know, I don't think, they're, they're a band that you definitely think 80s. I, I don't think, even though I knew that they started in the 70s, um, when you look back, you think 80s, you think of the synthesizer uh, sound that they had and that, that very modern new wave you know, new wave sound. And so just definitely an, an 80s sound of band. I know Satisfaction, their version of it. Um, and as we talked... Uh, Sounds nothing like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, very, very uh, different, very uh, frantic, uh, you know, sounding uh, version of that. And that was kind of their their thing. Later they covered Working in a Cold Mine in the 80s, and it definitely was a different sound than the original. Yes. Um, they're, they're a band that I think, you know, I think a lot of people, they're one that gets mistaked as a one-hit wonder, but they had so many songs that charted. The the thing that really sticks with you about them, and uh, a friend of mine from uh, the, the Columbus 
uh, rock band, The Toll. Uh, Brad Ciccone's got a podcast and he talks about branding. This is a band. The branding, I, I don't think you can argue. I, I don't know if there's many bands that have the branding that Devo does. No. I think that their look, their sound, everything from, you know, I think a lot of people remember what they call the flower pot hats. Mm-hmm. But the... Um, you know, the jumpsuits that they wore, the plastic, the, hair. The plastic hair, they they had so many different looks. And that was all part of the experience when you'd go to see them. It was kind of this frantic, you know, and I think the look of Mark Mothersball with that, with those, you know, thick glasses mm-hmm. and, and that kind of Robotic crazy, kind almost, of, yeah, crazy, almost uh, Eddie Deason, uh, like the actor Eddie Deason, like kind of crazy character. Mm-hmm. Um, but but just just a great presence. And then he's had that whole secondary career as a, a composer which yeah. i just think is fantastic Tons and then, movies and tv shows and rugrats. that's right rugrats theme was Mark Mother's right he's yeah. had so many yeah. things and then of course the, the last part being ohio that they're ohio guys Akron. you know yes. they're from the akron area yep so uh just a whole lot of good stuff there oh yeah yeah so uh like you said you know they working in a coal mine heavy metal soundtrack one of my oh, favorite yeah. soundtracks yeah. awesome soundtrack um, we, I think, one of our last podcasts, we talked about Akron, the Akron influence, or the, mm-hmm. uh, where they're from with uh, the Pretenders. Yeah, you know, they're the ones that you know, Chrissy Hines, which is where the Black Keys are from <clears throat> now. So it's like they get a nice, nice. But I, I was kind of curious about the you know the whole satisfaction part, um, and I, I kind of researched a little bit because you know it's the Stones. Yeah, and I, I was reading it that they actually, hey, you better go talk to Mick Jagger. Before you start re- yeah. releasing, so I was reading that they, you know, they played it. They played. They broke out a boombox, played it for Mick Jagger, and they said, "You know, sitting in a chair with a glass of wine, just kind of swirling it with his head down." And they're like, <laughs> you know, "No reaction at all." I'm like, "Oh, oh great!" You know, they said thirty minutes in the song, he got up and started doing his chicken dance, and he loved it. <laughs> yeah. So great story. Yeah, that's, I thought that's that was pretty. A good and I was story. curious because I, I, I had to look it up. It's like I, I just can't see the Stones. Just giving this up without any kind of release. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bands are very protective of their music, especially when you got like people like Mick and Keith who also mm-hmm. own like the publishing rights and stuff. Sure. So, they're, like you said, they're going to be very protective, and mm-hmm. not just anybody's going to cover a Rolling Stones song. And, and maybe the fact that it, it was so different from the original work worked in their favor. Yes. Um, I always, this song to me reminds me of, you know, it's like um, you woke up and you had six, 16 cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's how it makes me oh, feel yeah. and that's one of the beauties of Devo they just had that that way of just that frantic kind of just it's like your uh, you know your your mom grabbing you in the, when you're trying to sleep in on a Saturday and, and her shaking you that's how you feel when you hear these songs they're just so they're so frantic oh yeah and to me I mean you almost felt like in the kind of the way that they positioned their marketing was they were from another planet and my goodness, if you believed in aliens, you would really believe these guys were from another planet. Because like, you, you never really saw any real interviews with them back then. All you saw was the music and the stage presence and the uniforms and the hats and the, the plastic hair and stuff. And the, the, the music itself did not sound like it come from planet Earth. No. At that time, you never heard anything close to this. Yes. And, and hearing them do that, like, I remember... Remember back when we used to watch Side on Sound mm-hmm. on Cube? So, for those of you guys that don't know, Side on Sound was a was a TV show. It was produced on the local cable um, uh, outlet, which is called Cube, which, which is owned by Warner, which became Time Warner. And 
what they would do, it was a uh, one-hour show. It happened. They would broadcast originally on Friday night, and then they would play it throughout the week at different times. But the VJ was never seen on air. And what they would do is, on, on it was an interactive cable box, and you would be able to vote for songs. Um, so they would they would play these videos, and we saw Devo on there. And I think it was the song Freedom of Choice. And this was prior to Whip It. So we're just going... I mean, it, I mean, Whip It was the um, was a single on that Freedom of Choice album. But before they released Whip It as a single, Freedom of Choice is what we saw. We're like... And then they played Satisfaction on there. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my favorite band. <laughs> <laughs> and it just... So many of their songs, Speed Racer, if you ever heard that song sure. by Devo, that, that's a classic. There are so many of those songs, and, and this song here, Satisfaction, 1978. It sounds more 80s than most 80s songs yeah. do. <laughs> so, yeah, we could, we could talk about Devo all night long, and, and I feel like we, maybe we have. Can't say enough great things about, about how they, along with you know the other bands we've talked about here, have really did a j- good job at ushering that in the 80s and that brings us to our number one song number one I don't know if this is a surprise to anyone. I don't know if you, knowing music, you thought, yeah, this song's got to be on the list, or this band has got to be on the list, or if maybe you don't pay as much of attention to music, and you thought this was an 80s song, but Roxanne by The Police. Incredible song. The music was ahead of its time, just like this other stuff here. Um, Go ahead. Uh, I definitely uh, a song that really defines the early era of the Police. Mm-hmm. Three musicians that you, you really you really can't top in in, in their fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart Copeland, fantastic drummer. Andy Summer, fantastic uh, guitarist, and uh, of course Sting. Uh, Roxanne, I think um, it definitely has that. There's that kind of minimalist bass playing that's going on. Uh, Andy Summers always had that uh, reggae in- influence on guitar. Those those quick stabs, those quick uh, strums of the guitar, um, and the, the the elements of this thing, the the pacing of it. I think it just has that kind of you know it, it definitely has that kind of like frantic feel uh, with with all these elements going on, and, and you almost think in a rock setting that it that it wouldn't work, mm-hmm. and and it and it does, and. I think that the singing, I mean, how many people have sung those those lyrics, you know, all the way to, you know, up into, uh, you know, you always think about the Eddie Murphy singing yeah. it in the, uh, in, in 48 Hours. 48 yeah, Hours. He's in yeah. jail. Yeah. Yeah. He was in so jail. Awesome. I mean, that was classic.
probably everyone in that era tried to sing that song at one point and tried to oh, sing yeah. it like Sting did and probably did it pretty bad. Yeah. But uh, they did it great. Now, Art, you are probably one of the biggest police fans I know. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about this in the grand scheme of eightiesness and well, just like the cars? Yeah, you, know, you think of the police, you think of the eighties. Mm-hmm. You you wouldn't think it was a seventy eight. I think yeah, you wouldn't think that was a seventy eight song. Um, Roxanne, I'm sure it's one of the songs that Sting. Every concert he's got to play. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Um, it defined the police. Yeah, you know, I think it was on their first. Major label. This was their biggest release at that time. Yeah, the first release. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it did. It defined the police. Uh, it's awesome. It's a very uh, iconic song. I mean, you, you hear the beginning of it, you immediately know you know what it is. Yep, you do. And it's <clears throat> amazing, and, and it's held up great over the years. Yes. Put on put on some sweet headphones and listen to Roxanne. <laughs> But like he said, you know, 48 Hours, Eddie Murphy, that was awesome. I, I still remember sitting in the theater just chuckling yeah. when you, you hear him in the background singing that. And he's not yes. even on camera yet. I, th- I think that the, uh, you know, the if you contrast the the verse and the chorus, uh, too, it's, you've got that, uh, they have a totally different feel. And mm-hmm. I think that was one of the great things, the rhythm, uh, what Stuart Copeland did with his rhythms was, you know, you you have this uh, this kind of um, moving. It almost feels at one pace, and then you get to the next part of the song, and it's a completely different feel from the from the first yeah. part. But but somehow somehow they go together. Yeah. And he, he was able a lot of times um, to propel the song, and it's still going forward. But he, like a lot a lot of songs, he's not even using uh, snare drum. Yeah. I mean, you think about spirits in the material world. Mm-hmm. He's not even in the verse of that. He's, there's there's no snare. It's it's mm-hmm. basically, uh, but it, but the song's moving forward. Yeah. And I always thought that was what you know that. And then that, like I said, they brought in that reggae influence as well. It's kind of that, that reggae meets ska. That's right. And that's there is what a ska. That's they kind of put it in a blender. And they did, and then added a, a touch of a touch of basically English new wave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so they yes. they kind of pulled all those elements together and. A unique band. I, I don't think there's any there's anyone like them. No, there's not. There isn't. Um, they're all in their own way a, a talent that you can't replace them. I mean, they, no. for those three to get each other and, and make the band they did. Yeah. Is, is, and the, in the fact, it's like when you hear them in interviews and stuff. Like they're always at each other's throats. Yes. But they fought like brothers, not like mm-hmm. enemies trying to you know spite each other. But they were so passionate about what they were making and the music they were doing that often there would be some conflict there and whatever they did whatever infighting they had or whatever tell you what man it worked because <laughs> they sound awesome well i think sometimes what makes you a great artist maybe maybe sometimes you lack in other things and so mm-hmm. maybe their personal skills getting along together wasn't great but the, but the art that they made mm-hmm. uh that's where they excelled and 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 if at the end of the day we're left with a, a number of fantastic albums by three great artists that, uh, although, like you like said, that's one thing that's synonymous with them was that you always heard about them fighting with each other, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, so they did have those diff- differences, and that that's what makes what they did I think so fantastic. If you follow their careers later, you know they went three different directions. You oh know, yeah, Stig really went into you know he had the whole he like had that eighties kind, kind of, of a jazzy, and yeah. he used all those fantastic. Musicians Daryl Jones and Ken Kirkland, and then you have Stuart Copeland doing uh, soundtracks, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he did Rumblefish and a whole lot of uh, movies in mm-hmm. the 80s. And then Andy Summers doing this kind of new age uh, thing. So yeah. I saw him actually open for Tangerine Dream, which is a no new kidding. age band. I saw Andy Summers. Open, and, and that was the direction he went. So somehow the what they did and the, the uniqueness uh, that they brought together just... Man, just a, a lot of just a lot of great albums, a lot of great oh, yeah. songs. Yeah. So that brings us that's that's our list. So what we're gonna do now, we're gonna just go down the rest of, of some of these here and talk about some songs that gosh, we feel had that pre eighties sound, but um, didn't quite make our top ten. So um, do you guys have your have those in front of you? No. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read off a few of them here. Uh, Highway to Hell by ACDC. Now, to me, ACDC, every song almost sounds the same. <laughs> so they definitely had that '80s sound to me. Like when 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 I'm thinking ACDC peaking in the '80s, anything in the '70s and '90s is going to sound pretty '80s. Art, Art's making a face. Like, well, AC, I, you know, I like I'm a bigger fan of ACDC than I was in the '80s. That's for sure. Yeah, because um, we were taught about how evil they were. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah we were. Missed out a lot of good music because of that. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, you know, they're great soundtrack band. I mean, just for oh, movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Iron Maximum man. Impact. Yeah, was, I mean, just is it was that the one with Mealy West of Us? No, Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive yeah. with the Green Goblin. On the yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, in, in Iron Man movies, I mean, yeah. who's in the background? ACDC. AC, you yeah. know, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Rock and Roll Fantasy by Bad Company. That sounds 80s to me. That reminds me, it came out in 1979. Reminds me of the summer of 79, uh, being at the pool. That reminds me of USA Skating Rink. Because <laughs> whenever that came on, everybody just had to skate faster. Yeah. You know? like the, the, the lights would go down, the strobes would go crazy, and dun, 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 that guitar intro. Yep. That's a great song. For sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, got a trio of Bob Seger songs here. Uh, got Hollywood Nights, Main Street, and Night Moves. Working on the night moves. Trying to lose a awkward teenage Yeah, Bob Seger, you know, I always think of him, uh, and I know a lot of them were right on the border there, 70s mm-hmm. and 80s, so that's maybe why I think of them more as an 80s Damn. 80s band. Yeah. Um, you know, great set of songs, really kind of just that American rock and roll sound. I, I don't, I think, you know, uh, all the all the things that uh, he did just has that, like I said, just kind of that... Uh, uh, American kind of make you feel good music. You know? So what cheap trick is to an American band? Bob Seger is as a, as American singer. Yes, because I mean he's just you you couldn't mistake him from being from England or anywhere. Else. No, not at all. Here's uh, here's one for you. Fame by David Bowie.
1975 does not sound like a 70s song. No. I mean, it's just so intricate, the, the musicianship in that song. It's just... A lot of his music is always on the edge. I think he's from you the know? same planet Devo's. From. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably so. He's definitely cutting Ziggy edge. Stardust. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he really, I think, uh, yeah, I think he, he was a, what, what, on the edge. He Very modern sound and... Uh, definitely a lot of people that followed after him mm-hmm. picked up on that modern sound. This one, this one's, uh, I think, different than most of his his songs, actually. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Fame was always, like, kind of, what what the heck is that? That's how yeah. I always felt when I heard yeah. it, but uh, great, great, uh, great tune. And yep. Cynthia will tell you that's on the Pretty Woman soundtrack. <laughs> is is yeah. it really? Yes, also, it is. We'll, we'll take <laughs> your and Cynthia's word for that. Um, but you know, my first exposure to David Bowie, I was a kid, and I can't remember what year it was, but it was a Christmas special with Bing Crosby. Oh yeah, and I think it was a, little, was a little drummer boy. Yeah, I've seen him yeah. sing that. And I, I remember watching it when it was actually on. Or seventy-seven. It was seventy-seven because Bing Crosby died like two weeks later. Did he really? Yeah. In fact, I think he had already died by the time that was broadcast. Was that right? Yeah, it was so. Which I think is another thing that made it so maybe iconic. Because, I mean, you've got these two complete opposites yes, singing together. When he was and... a kid, I'm like, look, I'm like, well, this is weird. You know, it's yeah. different. So, yeah, so it was 1977 when that was first released. He died October 14th, 1977. Wow. So they had, re- you know, recorded that. I don't know how much before that, but that may be his last recorded piece. Wow. So With David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what killed him. So, like oh, I can't, I just can't. Who's this guy? Done everything, yeah. yeah. So here, here's an interesting one because to me this does not sound like an '80s song. But Sean brought this one to us, uh, making it by TV star and singer David Naughton. He's like, I got a story about this one, so I, I got to hear the story. Well, it's it's not so much uh, about about the song, but the fact that uh, this guy from this actor. And I always get a kick out of it. And it was happening a lot in the '70s, where they took people that should have never made a record, and and they tried to have them make a record. And I think <laughs> like the David one, Naughton. The, yeah, David <laughs> Naughton. Yeah, I think the one that probably uh, gets the most uh, recognition these days is when they started recording William Shatner, and it just sounded awful. And uh, Leonard Nimoy, did Leonard it too. Nimoy had the Bilbo Baggins <laughs> song, and it was off. So I have a, my little brother actually collects these. Albums by people that should have never had albums. Right. Uh, yeah, you, a you, lot of you Downs actually has a record. I mean, it's just <laughs> real, some really, some really. The uh, guy from like uh, from the ABC News. That guy. Yeah, that's right. And then that's uh, nice. one of his prize pieces was uh, David David Soul. You know, had a record. He was trying to get into hey, music. After... David Soul got a number one hit out of "Don't Give Up on Me." Yeah, he. I mean, uh, but didn't mo- sound eighties at mo- all. Or might have brought no, it up today. But... Most of it uh, wasn't very good, but. So, anyways, this was one that I, I just got a kick out of when I saw it that it was uh, had charted as a single, and I, you know, I had barely remembered it. But um, he's actually uh, just uh, while we're on the topic of '80s, uh, David Naughton, obviously known mostly from American Werewolf in London, I think, being yeah. the actor in that. But uh, there's a there's a film. It's called Midnight Madness. It is a fantastic uh, '80s film. I think it was 1980 when it came out. It's about a scavenger hunt. He's the lead character in that. It's actually Michael J. Fox's uh, first uh, film appearance. He's a little kid in it. You so are if you ever kidding. get a chance, Midnight Madness. It's a great movie to watch on a Friday night when you're having a few beers and just want something fun to watch. I'm going to have to check that one out because, like, I, I've got this this thing. Like, I will watch it. 
like I love the, all those '80s movies, the time frame, the, the the time period, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I love those, and I will on purpose, knowing before going in, this movie is going to be crap. I will watch it because it's an '80s movie. Yeah, and that is one I have never seen, and it. I just looked it up. It came out in 1980. 1980, so right. So I will have to put it on my list of movies to watch. It's a cameo. Uh, Pee Wee Herman's actually got a cameo on that. It's just a, it's just a great fun well, film. Well, now I have to yeah, watch oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have uh, three songs by the Eagles here. I Can't Tell You Why, Heartache Tonight, and The Disco Strangler. Art, I know you put Disco Strangler the Disco on Strangler. That is one that's just recently. Um, it was on one of my playlists. I don't recall putting it on my playlist. I don't mm-hmm. know what time I would put it on there, but it cycled through my playlist a while back. And I was like, I've never heard this song before. And I, I really, I mean, attached to it. I like it. <clears throat> um, to me, it's, it doesn't sound like your typical Eagles song. I don't know mm-hmm. if you, I'm sure you've listened to it. Uh, you know what? Honestly, the Eagles are my favorite band. Mm-hmm. But this song, for some reason, I, it, it, I don't think I've ever heard. I, I haven't either. And I, I listen to it about every other day now I'll play it just because it's I like it and I don't think it sounds like to me I don't know who put the other Eagles songs on there but I I think the Eagles to me are the 70s a lot of older stuff but this one doesn't sound like the other the other music they put out there in that time I I meant to listen to it before the podcast and time got away from me yeah my next week's songs I listened to a couple of those so my uh, my contribution was Heartache Tonight, and the only reason I know, I think those were 79, I think, yeah. when those came out. Uh, I remember when you mentioned USA East, uh, so I went to Groveport, so USA East was our skating rink, mm-hmm. and I remember s- skating in middle school to Heartache uh, Tonight, and you don't think of the Eagles as a, as a band that you go to the skating rink to hear, but actually that song is fantastic. That, that when it gets to, it's just him singing yeah. and, and the drums. Yeah. And actually, the, the rhythm of that, the the, uh, the tempo of that song mm-hmm. and those drums, I just remember it cutting out to just the drums and everyone skating around, and, and it was it's like the perfect tempo for a skate song. <laughs> Great. Hot-Blooded by Foreigner. Misunderstanding and Turn It On Again, both by Genesis. I put those on there. Those songs just sound 80s to me. Um, I think I, I really... I mean, they're they're both from 1979, so I was probably listening to them in 1980s. So I mean, that's probably why it, it has that feel for me on there. Uh, let's see. Shake It by Ian Matthews is one that I put on there. Um, that is a song that I completely forgot existed. And um, I was watching, speaking of uh, you know those 80s movies, I was watching Little Darlings with Tatum O'Neill and Christy McNichol. And the opening theme is this song playing. I'm like, it all came back like, I remember this song, but it's not one that I like bought a record of or anything. So I, I, I bought it, or I didn't buy it. I downloaded it, of course. And it's like, so it's like regular, it's on like three different playlists that I have now just because it's got such a cool sound. It sounds very 80s to me. She's got a So, um, yeah, check out Shake It. And, and I think in two weeks we're going to be doing a Yacht Rock episode. Oh, 
and it's more than likely going to show up there. Just <laughs> forewarning. <laughs> so, uh, Running on Empty by Jackson Brown. Um, so this next one is one that I completely agree with and maybe should, could have made the list very easily. Is, is She Really Going Out With Him by Joe Jackson. Is she really That's that's kind of got that that new it wave does. kind of yeah. a sound and yeah that's a great song yeah that's yeah, a great song uh, let's see life's been good by Joe Walsh uh, let's see and uh, lonesome loser by Little River Band that's got a that definitely I, I if you would have asked me I would have told you I thought that was an eighties song but it's from nineteen seventy eight yeah. I think a lot of their their stuff got they were more much more popular in the '80s, but mm-hmm. uh, they go all the way back to the mid '70s with reminiscing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the uh, but the later they got more popular, and I think uh, two of their songs are in that original Bad Boys movie, the Sean Penn Prison movie, which I just watched. I'm gonna watch it before, but I just watched it like two weeks ago. Okay. Speaking of '80s, I run out of stuff to watch in the evenings. That's kind of how I <laughs> scale back and. I, I want to veg, so yeah. I'll, I'll catch up on my Facebook, and I'll play Words with Friends, and I'll, I'll watch these 80s movies, and uh, that's one that, uh, that's a good movie. For sure, that's a song playing, Man on Your Mind's playing, Yeah, when when the radio blows yeah, up look, on Clancy the dude's Brown. Like, the dude, the, the, the big, hulky, Thor-looking Clancy dude, Brown, sitting yeah. There, yeah, 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 he's sitting there listening to Little River Band, just bebopping along, like, this is the jam, like, you would think he's listening to Van Halen or something, no, he's listening to Little LRB. Yeah. Now, did you recognize him from later, like Shawshank? He was a lead, uh, yes. lead prison guard in he's Shawshank. Been in lots, and, yeah, he's been lots in lots of, of things. things, yeah. So. Which it, it, it took me a minute when I first saw him on there, because I hadn't seen the movie in a, quite a few years. I thought, where do I know that guy from? And yeah. so I go, I, as I'm watching movies, I'm on, on IMDb looking up stuff. I'm like, crap, this dude, yeah. I, when, I, when I saw him, how he looks now, I'm like, oh, well, duh. Yeah. So, um... Uh, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough by Michael Jackson. It's kind of got a little disco sound, but, you know, it's kind of like a... He's got enough ips and oops and stuff in there to make (laughs) it sound like Thriller. It could have been on a Thriller album, I think. Um, Let's see. Sean, did you put You Can't Change That by Ray Parker Jr. on here? Yes. uh, Now, it's listed by... It's listed as... Well, radio. Radio, right? Yeah, that's a song I just remember to... You know, just kind of different from all the other ones. I wanted to throw out something kind of in a different vein. But, yeah, that was one that I, that I thought was an 80s song, too. Yeah. Um, I think you also put Sad Eyes by Robert John. Yeah, that was another one right there at the end of the end of the 70s. Yeah. yeah. Um, we Are Family, Sister Sledge. Yeah, that's that's one that I would have swore was an 80s song. Not me. <laughs> and here's why. Because I'm a Reds fan. Okay. In the 1979 National League Championship Series to go to the World Series, the Pittsburgh Pirates had that song playing constantly at home. Okay. And they're in the games that were played in Pittsburgh. I hated that song because of it. So I remember specifically. <laughs> what so year was that? You said this 1979. 79. Okay. And and they went to the World Series. They beat the Orioles, and 
they, they played that song constantly and the radio stations are playing it all the time again like it, it had been a hit like that summer and now they're playing it again because the pirates are doing so well I'm like, oh, well I, I wish I had I wish I had the publishing rights to that one because that's another one like we talked about celebration earlier oh yeah it gets played at like literally every wedding every family reunion <laughs> and people run out to the dance floor and they they make it their song for their family. Yeah, uh, but and so it kind of has that universal appeal yeah. to everybody, and it's a great song. Yeah, I mean, years later, after the after the pirates now are <laughs> terrible, I can I can listen to the song fondly again. But um, let's see, uh, "Come Sail Away" by Sticks. You put that on there. Yeah, a lot of Sticks. The earlier Sticks definitely seventies. Oh yeah, "Come Sail Away." I thought it had a different sound to it. Yeah, uh, not their normal rock. Um, that, that was my take on it. Did you guys ever watch the, the TV series Freaks and Geeks? I did not. Okay, for one, you gotta watch it. It's on it's on Hulu right now. Um, it, it was only one season. There's like 12, 13 episodes. A lot of stars before they were famous. Uh, James Franco was on there. Um, uh, shoot. Um, Seth Rogen. Um, uh, shoot. Uh, what's his name? I... I Anyhow, there's a bunch of people on there, and it takes place in 1980. Uh, it's the, the the these kids that the, the freaks are like these kind of hoodie kind of guys who are kind of intermingled with these geeky kids because the sister and the brother. Anyhow, um, it, it's great, great show. Well written. It's a Judd Apatow uh, show, uh, but there's this one scene. We're one of our main characters. He's, he's a little undersized kid. He's a freshman in high school. Looks like he's about 12. And he's at the school dance. And he's trying to get up the nerve to dance with his crush. Because she's promised she'd save him a dance. So they, they, they get in there and they're dancing. And it comes Sail Away's playing. You know, has that slow little love song kind of thing. So he finally gets the nerve up. He goes over to her, and they just he just starts to embrace her, and then the tempo changes. And that, yeah, if you've heard the song, you know yeah, what I'm talking about. Sure. And he just looks like mortified, like like he's looking around and like, what happened? What? <laughs> and so now he's having to fast dance, and he can't dance. So great show, you guys. Seriously, check that show out. You will absolutely. I can't say enough great things about this show. Okay. We grew up then. You will love that show. Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks, right. yes. Let's see here. Uh, Super Tramp. Logical Song and Long Way Home. Logical Song, I would have thought was from the 80s. I think it was the summer of 79. I had the 45, so I remember Did having you? it. Yeah. So back then, it was another band I wasn't really fond of. Uh-huh. But now, I mean, they're great. They're awesome. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Different person back then, but yeah, I didn't yep. dig them back then. Yeah, I I I like that song. I think I got it like as a birthday present or something. Right. I think so. I had a friend give me like three or four singles. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of them. I don't think I'd heard it prior to that, but I I liked it. And then their other stuff came out later. I'm like, oh, that's okay. But now I hear it. And I'm like, I think it was Dreamer that pushed me over the edge back then. <laughs> it was just on the radio all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think David didn't like that song at all. No, no. No, he hated that song. <laughs> we used to sing it to him. So. Uh, let's see. Stumbling in by Susie Quattro. That was me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's got that early eighty sound to mm-hmm. it. Doesn't have the eighty or the seventy sound to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's it speaks for itself. It does. It, it's totally different than anything else. 
It, it, it does. It, it's not completely 80 sound. It's definitely not 70 sounds, but I think it's one of those songs that's introduces and, and ushers in the 80s. Yeah, she she almost sounds like if the Eagles had a female singer. Yes. It yeah. would be Susie Quattro. Didn't you mention her on your Arthrobs podcast? Yeah, because Matt Moore put Leather Tuscadero as one of his Arthrobs, <laughs> and uh, we were talking about how she thinks she should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. I'm thinking, I don't think he had a Hall of Fame-worthy career. No. I mean, you may have been influential to some other female rockers, like Joan Jett and so forth, but... Certainly not Hall of Fame worthy, but you know, she more power to her. She did. She made more hit records than I ever will. Uh, and then the final ones here: The Knack, Good Girls Don't, and My Sharona. Definite '80s sound. They should have made our list. Um, and and honestly, here's the thing: there are a couple songs on here. Uh, My Sharona is one of them. It was yours truly is my fault that this one wasn't on there and also Psycho Killer by the Talking Heads. Don't touch me, I'm a real live wire. Psycho Killer. Run, 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 run away. Like those two songs both should have on the list they had enough votes by us to do that but i i missed them somehow so uh, i'll make it up next week those will be completely accurate but uh yeah my sharona when that came out everybody loved that and good girls don't was one of the raunchiest songs ever um especially if you hear the album version the the version that's played on the radio was a little more clean but the album version this Closes out our talk on songs. You got something else, Sean? Just the the two that we both, Art and I both agreed on, but you brought up a big point. They yeah. weren't popular actually till the 80s, but they're actually 79 songs. Uh-huh. Were Pop Music by M, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you brought up Gary Newman. Cars. The Cars. Cars yeah. Yes. So they, we, you know... Just they somewhere on there. I just wanted to make sure they got their due mention. Yeah, and I'm thinking because they thank were you for bringing songs, those up because I did. But look, they didn't get popular till. Yes, days. you're absolutely right. And what we tried to do because to us we're hearing those songs for the first time in 1980. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know a lot of these songs in, um, in that were hits in 1980. You know that we know were recorded in 79. It's just how it happened. Right. So everything you're hearing on the radio, January, February, March, April of 1980, were probably recorded in 1979, but we heard them later. But uh, yeah, both of those songs were very, very big hits in 1980. But yeah, definitely recorded in 1979. For sure. So this last song, our outro song, is one that I saved for last. It got no votes. I didn't even vote for it because it was never a hit. But when you hear this song... This song sounds like nothing but 80s. So um, we're going to close out here with Kraftwerk, and the song is called Metropolis. And, guys, thanks for, for joining me this week. Thanks and for having me. we will see time. you next week. Take care, guys. God Bye, bless. Everybody.